Hello, welcome to the Jerk Training Podcast. I'm Keith Graves. I'm the host of the show. And this month I'm bringing on Robert Almonte. Uh, he's a friend of mine, and he also happens to be the uh, one of the leading experts in drug cartels for the United States. And he's just going to give us a little update on what's going on and give us some information that'll help uh, you guys on the street. Welcome to the Drug Training Podcast with Keith Graves a police officer who spent 28 years specialising in drug investigations and who regularly teaches law enforcement officers, private businesses and concerned families on spotting and dealing with drug use. This podcast is the essential resource for both professionals and individuals who need practical help, advice and insight. Now, here's your host, Keith Graves. Well, hey, Robert, thanks for coming on the show. No, it's my pleasure, man. Thank you for having me, Keith. Yeah, no problem. Hey, so um, I brought Robert in to come talk about drug cartels. He's the nation's expert on <clears throat> on cartels. So, Robert, why don't you uh, just tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Sure, uh, absolutely. Uh, well, again, my name is Robert Almonte. I was born and raised in El Paso, Texas, and I spent 25 years with the El Paso uh, police department. Uh, the more, majority of those years, I spent working narcotics as a detective, sergeant, narcotics commander, and and I oversaw narcotics and all the investigative um, units as a uh, captain and deputy chief. And then, um, yeah, I retired. But I, I it, my experience in narcotics, I worked undercover. I did, uh, of course, started off uh, where we all start, and that's uh, street buys and. Uh, then I started doing buy bus and reversals and search warrants and CIs and working with the Mexican cartels. At that time, it was the uh, Juarez cartel, which is still around. Uh, but back then, it was Amado Carrillo Fuentes, and, and he's dead now, but their family's still involved in that. And then um, I was a sergeant of narcotics, narcotic commander. So I spent a lot of years working uh, narcotics, and I guess it was in uh, in my blood. And uh, I'm, I'm doing a lot of training on narcotics. I was also... Uh, United States Marshal for the Western uh, District of uh, Texas uh, from 2010 to 2016. A lot of the fugitives that my guys apprehended were actually Mexican cartel members and associates. So uh, it's been a good run. And right now I enjoy hanging out with uh, cops and teaching cops and doing all I can to keep them safe and uh, help them uh, take dope and uh, other criminal elements off the street and Go back home to the families every night, and, and you're doing a great job. We thank uh, you. Robert and I run across each other all the time at different <laughs> conferences around the country. So it's uh, right. he's uh, staying really busy. So Robert, why don't you tell me a little bit about why the average cop needs to know about uh, drug trafficking organizations or drug cartels? Well, you know, I, I'm I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, Keith, and I'm glad I have the opportunity to to answer that question for all your listeners, for uh, especially the street cops that are out there working patrol, and and those especially that think that uh, you're not affected by the cartels. Uh, well, first of all, you are. The cartels are everywhere, and if they're they're at least traveling through your cities, uh, there's no doubt about that. They're everywhere, uh, and they're they can be extremely dangerous. They're moving large amounts of drugs and money. They're involved in human trafficking, uh, sex trafficking. They're involved in, in smuggling uh, weapons as well. And uh, these guys are armed and they're dangerous. So uh, a lot of the training that I conduct focuses on the red flags, if you will, that officers can observe 
and, uh, and, and get their safety guard up and then uh, possibly or hopefully find some evidence of criminal activity. But um, every officer needs to know out there that Mexican cartels are, are everywhere. And this is nothing new, Keith. They've been here for a long time. I mean, when I was uh, buying uh, dope back in the uh, 80s as a street narc, I was, uh, you know, they were all over the, uh, the country of connections with Chicago back then. And uh, they're everywhere, they're here. So uh, as far as officer safety, it's in their best interest to know about the cartels, as much about the cartels as they possibly can learn to including the culture of the Mexican cartels. So what are some, how would a cop know that he's got a drug cartel guy stopped? Is there something they can look for while they got him on the side of the road? Yeah, uh, and there is a lot of different things that, uh, you know, obviously we don't have time to discuss everything here, but I, I go into much detail in my training uh, uh, sessions around the country, these indicators, and, and the focus of, 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 the, of the training that I put on is, is who they like to pray to for protection from law enforcement. Uh, and I talk a lot about uh, a lot of different uh, legitimate Catholic things that they're uh, misusing, now, I also talk about Santa Muerte, I talk about Jesus Marverde, San Simon. Uh, but again, none of the things that I talk about, and I want to I wanna highlight that point right now, that none of the things I just mentioned or talk about in my training are probable cause for search or arrest. They're meant to be exactly what they're meant to be, and that's red flags and possible indicators, possible indicators. And when, when I stress to the officer, when you see these things on a traffic stop, it just get your guard up. You know, you got two, three subjects in there and, and the common sense, you know, you just get a feeling about these guys, the way they look, you know, not your typical family looking group there. You call for backup and 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 then uh, take it a step at a time and, and see if that leads to another step in the investigation. Uh, the other thing, too, is uh, different types of uh, hat they wear or T-shirt. Somebody's wearing a T-shirt that says uh, number 701 on it or ball cap that says 701, or some of these cars even have uh, decals on the window seven says 701. A lot of officers don't know what that means. And, and I can tell you right there, that that's referring to Chapo Guzman. That's referring to the Sinaloa cartel. And number 701 refers to Chapo Guzman's uh, ranking on Ford's list of billionaires. He would rank number 701. Uh, so many so many other things like uh, hat was Jerez uh, Animales, my three animals, has the uh, uh, the parrot, the, the chicken and the goat, and the parrot is cocaine, the chicken is the marijuana, and the goat is Shiva, uh, which is heroin. So there's just so many things to look at. Uh, behavior, uh, images of uh, AK-47, their jewelry, what they're wearing, not just things in the vehicle, but the, what they're wearing around their neck, uh, around their wrist bracelet, their hat, their belt buckles, just so many things to look at. And again, these are all things that I discuss in my training. And I actually uh, uh, set up a large display with all of these items as visual aid for the officers. And, you know, Robert, you're spot on, because I remember when I was a young cop, I came out of narcotics um, and made a car stop on a guy. Uh, for speed. And when I walked up, he's got a bumper sticker that says Sinaloa with a cowboy hat over it. And I'm like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm game. So when I pull him out, he's uh, holding onto a necklace and it's a necklace piece of, of Jesus Malverde. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know what it looks like, I'm going to put it, uh, put a picture of it on the blog post. So I'll put a link on the show notes for you guys to see. 
but um, I ended up using using that and a bunch of other stuff. I ended up um, getting into his car and he was bringing um, $100,000 to somebody else. You know, so we ended up getting $100,000 asset seizure. But you're right. Yeah. I mean, like knowing all these like little things really helps out a lot. Yeah, that's a that's a hell of a pop, man. A hundred thousand dollars is is, is uh, a lot of money, and, and it puts a hurt to the cartel. You know, hundred thousand dollars. The uh, and you're spot on. That, that guy was probably grabbing that Jesus Malverde medallion because he was praying to him, asking him to protect him to make you uh, go away. <laughs> and obviously, that just got your more of your attention. The other thing I do want to add is is uh, similar to what you just described. Is they're not grabbing anything like that. Is, is is look at them and and look at their lips a lot of these guys when they have contraband in the vehicle their lips are moving because they're praying they're praying silently that's a big key right there and a lot of great cases have been made by cops all over the country by paying attention to these guys moving their lips in prayer that's awesome yeah this guy it was funny i was in traffic at the time i'd come from narcotics went in traffic and i'm like hey man uh what's that on your necklace and he's like, oh, I, I don't know. And I'm like, well, it's Jesus Malverde. He's a patron saint of narcotics traffickers. He like, he keeps you safe from the narcotics officers. And he kind of like looked at me funny. I go, but I'm a traffic officer. It doesn't work on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he actually started laughing. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, you know, you got to have fun with this stuff, too. You know, I, I got to say, uh, I've, I've, a lot of officers have made similar comments to me or when officers have see Jesus Malverde and they ask him, hey, who is this? The number one answer from these guys is that's my uncle. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you can't make this stuff up. But uh, yeah, no, there's so many things out there that'll help or lead officers to detection of criminal activity, cartel activity, but more importantly, uh, above and beyond all that, keep them safe, enhance their safety. Yeah, yeah, you're right, because they're dangerous people. And exactly. Are they, I mean, I mean, I know the answer, but I mean, they are killing people in the United States, right? We're having drug cartel, drug cartel murders in the United States. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And actually, we're seeing it. We've been seeing an increase in that. You know, I remember several years ago where the debate, great debate was where do we have Mexican cartel bleed over in the United States? And you don't even hear that conversation anymore because it's not bleed over. They're bleeding here. In the United States, so there's been several drug-related uh, executions, uh, up to and including beheadings uh, uh, case that you would think are only limited to uh, Mexico, but beheadings uh, uh, here in the United States uh, confirmed by uh, being conducted by Mexican cartels. Wow, that that's a sad state of affairs. So yeah, 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 it really is. So let me let me ask you, uh, what's the current state of Mexican drug trafficking organizations in regards to the coronavirus? Because I saw Trump uh, is moving some resources to fight the cartels right now in the middle of the virus. And just makes me wonder what's going on. Yeah, no. And, and actually, I'm really glad to see President Trump doing that. You know, he's actually got his, his hands really full right now, obviously, with the coronavirus. But, uh, you know, there's life goes on. There's all kinds of things that are going on. Uh, right now uh, regarding the Mexican cartel. But, uh, yeah, the coronavirus has had a big impact on the uh, activity of the uh, Mexican cartel, uh, especially in their distribution of uh, fentanyl and methamphetamine, because uh, we all know 
uh, the Mexican cartels get their precursor chemicals uh, from China, precursor chemicals to manufacture uh, methamphetamine and fentanyl um, in in Mexico. Well, because of the uh, coronavirus uh, actually starting in China, in, in Wuhan, uh, which is the epicenter for the coronavirus, that's where the Mexican cartels were getting their precursor chemicals. That's all but shut down. Oh. Uh, now it's shut down. Uh, so the Mexican cartels are, are scrambling. Uh, the other thing, too, is the activity uh, traffic across the borders has, has really stalled quite a bit. And the Mexican cartel relied on all that vehicular traffic uh, going across the port of entry so they could kind of blend in their load vehicles. And now that's making it more difficult. The information I'm, I'm receiving is the Mexican cartels actually are stockpiling a lot of the methamphetamine, uh, cocaine, and fentanyl. Uh, and actually, their supply of fentanyl is really low because of the uh, precursor uh, chemical issues I discussed already. So the uh, activity at hotels also, where they were using the hotels for distribution and dealing, uh, that's pretty much done because of coronavirus. So the price, because of that, the prices of the drugs have really skyrocketed uh, anywhere from 25% up to 400%. Uh, especially for cocaine, uh, heroin, and 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 uh, fentanyl, as uh, as well. So you have uh, in L.A., for example, a pound of meth was going for between eight hundred dollars and a thousand dollars. They jumped up to two thousand uh, dollars. And my understanding, they're stockpiling it. The cartels are stockpiling the drugs, uh, trying to force the uh, prices to go even higher because. Uh, uh, they've really been hurt. And and the other thing, too, it's causing the coronavirus is causing the Mexican cartel to rethink how they operate. And and they're looking at after this is said and done, becoming less dependent on China for the precursor chemical. My understanding, the Mexican cartels have hired chemists, scientists uh, to look at manufacturing the precursor chemicals in Mexico. Uh, that way they won't need to depend on China anymore. So, yeah, the, the cartels are really impacted by the coronavirus. Interesting. So let me ask you, so with all that in mind, um, what do you think, what are some of the other things that cops need to know about drug cartels? Is it the religious aspect or is there any other aspects that they should know about on their day-to-day -day job? Yeah, there's quite a bit more that they, they should know about that, that I really uh, go into much detail in my training uh, sessions. And I spent uh, uh, a lot of time recently researching the uh, what I like to call extracurricular activity of the Mexican cartels. Again, the Mexican cartels are here. They've been here for a while. And these guys, the Mexican cartels, uh, what we need to think about is they're not just dealing drugs nonstop 24 hours a day. These guys are out and about enjoying their social activities, extracurricular activities. And I discussed some of those uh, extracurricular activities that we, law enforcement, uh, throughout the United States needs to pay attention to. An example would be uh, the cockfights. A lot of officers that have the mindset, no, I don't need to know about cockfight. That's an animal control issue. Well, if you want to identify Mexican cartel activity in your area, you need to make it your issue. You need to work in conjunction with animal control 
shut these locations down. I discussed several cockfight locations in the United States that were taken down by law enforcement that involved Mexican cartel uh, activity. And I discussed how these operations should be uh, conducted. But that's a, a, a huge, huge extracurricular activity Mexican cartels are involved in. Also horse racing. I'm not talking about the Kentucky Derby type of horse racing. I'm talking about where the Mexican cartel uh, sponsor or involve somehow, or at least attend these horse races that are set up in rural areas, and and then they bet a lot of money on these horse races. Uh, in February, I was out in Georgia the day before I did a class out there, and I went out with a task force or went out and did a little undercover work for them, and I attended a horse race out there. Uh, the weather was kind of bad, so that would put a damper on the attendant, but there was still a lot of people out there. They're selling food and beer. I saw gambling out in the open, big bucks gambling. So they're there. So I'm trying to get officers to pay attention uh, to all of the activity, extracurricular activity that the Mexican cartels are involved in. Another one would be the narco corrido, the, the concert of the Mexican cartel. Uh, a lot of the Mexican, uh, these groups that perform there are, are sponsored. I'm not saying they're directly involved in cartel activity, although some are, and I discussed that in my training, uh, but they perform throughout the United States. Uh, it's, I've been to several of these concerts there, and I've uh, interacted with a lot of the people, other people attending there that are wearing Santa Muerte around their neck, Jesus Madreze, I talked to them. I was actually able to negotiate a dope deal at one of these at one of these uh, concerts, but I wasn't in the right atmosphere to proceed with that. Uh, and I kind of play the part when I go to these concerts. And uh, for any of your listeners out there, if they know about a concert, Narco Corrido concert going on in the area, call me. I'll go out there. I'll buy the tickets. And if they want to come with me, that'd be great. And and that's how you that's how you find out what's going on in your in your area by going out in your area. So I know I, I'm on pause here because I know I've been talking for a long time in case you have any other questions. <laughs> no, it's it's interesting. Hey, you're the star of the show. You're the one doing all the talking. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's interesting because I haven't thought about going to a, a narco uh, uh concert before. I mean, I, working back in California, I remember seeing them pop up, but it just didn't occur to me to go out there and go do Intel follow up on that. And yeah. Now, now I'm realizing I screwed up somewhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I and I actually went to uh, I went to one in Sacramento uh, last November. I've been to some in uh, 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 Texas uh, as well, out there in Georgia. It's all over the country, and uh, yeah, I plan to spend more time doing that. And then my research also uh, includes uh, going into Mexico. I've been there uh, several times. Uh, most recently uh, was January, and then again in February. And when I go out there. I visit these shrines of the uh, Santa Muerte and Malverde uh, that a lot of drug cartel members visit. And I also like to hang out with Mexican police out there and just talk to them, interact with them and, and things of that nature. So so how do the, the or so when you talk to these Mexican cops, how do they, I mean, I assume that they probably know you were a cop at one time. How do they take you when you talk to them? You know, uh, my, my experience, when I first started going into Mexico 2004, and I've been back several times, 
it been, uh, I kind of learned to, you know, I, I just go and act like I belong, belong there at these shrines and everything. At first, I was kind of like, you know, shy, a little shy, standoffish. And then if I feel that I'm treated better and, and people don't bother me if I act like I just belong there. Talking to these cops uh, is different, it's a lot different, because you just don't walk up to them very quickly uh, unless you want to get shot. Okay, these guys are, are on guard every day. They're, they're prime targets for Mexican cartels. A lot of them, uh, and I do want to point this out, a lot of uh, people over here, including officers in the United States, uh, you know, we, we know a lot, there's a lot of corruption in Mexico. A uh, couple of things, we have our own problem here in the United States, unfortunately. I would agree there's more corruption in, in Mexico, uh, but there's a lot of good, honest, hardworking Mexican law enforcement officers that want to do the right thing, that do the right thing. And because of that, they they end up getting killed and sometimes their family gets uh, killed as well. So I approach them uh, very, uh, I guess, slowly. Uh, they can see my hands. Uh, daylight, no, never am I out there at nighttime. Just daylight, I approach them and then talk to them, uh, friendly, greeting, you know, buenos dias, buenas tardes, or something like that. Go up there, and then the first thing I tell them is that I'm a retired cop. You know, I'm a retired cop and kind of break the ice and talk about stuff. And then I I, uh, I guess I share with them my admiration, admiration for what they do and kind of break the ice. So it's just a case-by-case case, uh, uh, basis, but... Yeah, there's uh, unfortunately a lot of Mexican police officers are being killed uh, by the Mexican cartel. The new generation cartel uh, especially has killed a lot of Mexican police officers that either refuse to become uh, uh, corrupt. They refuse to join them. You got El Mencho, the leader of the new generation cartel. I have a voice recording of him uh, threatening and, and admonishing a police uh, comandante uh, because the comandante's officers were interfering with uh, the new generation cartel's uh, smuggling route. And El Mencho basically threatening him, hey, I'll kill you, your family, your dog, everybody. So that's how the Mexican cartels operate. It's just, it's just a different uh, world. So you got to feel for the uh, honest Mexican cops out there. And, and the Mexican people, and my experience with the Mexican people, most of the Mexican people out there, yeah, they're tired of it. They're fed up. Uh, they don't want anything to do uh, with the uh, the cartel. They're upset at the government. They believe the government's not doing enough. There's a there's some cities in Mexico villages that have actually formed their own criminal justice system. Believe it or not, to include their own police department, their own jail, their own uh, uh, form of punishment. Uh, so if that's not uh, <laughs> signs of a failed state, I don't I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know what 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 is. I you know it's kind of shocking. I read the intel bulletins, you know, you know, like you see coming out of DEA and others, where they show all the murders down down in Mexico. And I guess what I'm shocked to see is like I'll see CJNC wearing like SWAT uniforms and where it would say police. They've actually got their own cartel patch there, and yeah. like, I didn't realize they were doing that. And like. For like me, I'm like I was trying to figure out what military unit was, so I realized that's the cartel. Yeah, and a lot of them are like that. Uh, new generation cartel, the Gulf cartel, Sinaloa uh, cartel, the Nuevo uh, uh, Laredo uh, uh, cartel. They're also in um, uh, causing a lot of trouble. They have been there, Nuevo Laredo uh, 
Mexico, and they killed a lot of police officers. A lot of them have been killed, and you're right. There, there, there's photographs of them dead, and they're wearing their army, military, uh, SWAT fatigue, and they got the uh, Nuevo Laredo uh, cartel uh, insignia logos on their on their vest. That's occurring uh, everywhere. Yeah, it very often it's hard to tell the difference between the law enforcement, military, and the Mexican cartel. And so, which is the most? What, what's the cartel that's going to cause us the most problems up here in the United States, violence-wise? New generation cartel. The new generation, CJNG, and I want your listeners, the officers out there to pay attention to those letters, CJNG, Cartel de Jalisco Nuevo Generación. Uh, in English, we call it the new generation cartel. CJNG, that's the logo you were talking about, Keith, where they have it on their, on their uniform. So if you see any kind of CJNG tagging, marking, or anything like that, uh, that's something you need to pay attention to. That's a red flag uh, big time. But New Generation Cartel, extremely violent. Uh, they become they're, uh, more powerful. They're becoming more powerful. See, the lower cartel, in my opinion, is still the number one most powerful cartel in the world. When I say world, I do mean world. It's not just Mexico. It's not just the United States. It's Canada and into uh, Europe as well. So it's a new generation cartel, uh, uh, big time, uh, causing a lot of problems. You know, it, it's funny. We were, uh, you know, Devin Chase. Um, yeah, yeah. From CNOA. So we were in New Zealand teaching a class, and uh, I was talking to their their version of the DEA. They have their own federal police, but it would be, I guess it would be the equivalent of. And we were talking about cartels, and they were saying they really don't have an issue with it, and. Me and Devin were saying, man, when the cartels find out about New Zealand, they're done. And mm -hmm. we ended up going to a Mexican restaurant and <laughs> we were speaking to them in Spanish. And me and Devin were like, man, this is totally like a cartel. Like, you know, yeah. it just smelled like cartel to us. And so we gave the heads up to them. Two weeks later, uh, they intercepted their first 40, it was like a 40 pound package of meth coming in from Mexico from the Sinaloa cartel. And uh, we're like, yeah, you guys are screwed. And now DEA is opening up an office in New Zealand. They're having all sorts of Mexican cartel problems there, which who would have thought, you know, I mean, I guess we, yeah. you know, dates and I mean, and we have listeners in New Zealand, Australia, uh, Europe, um, really all over. And I guess because so many of us are from the U S we just tend to think of just our border issue, not realizing it's, it's worldwide. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. And, and I know about New Zealand, and we have a mutual friend out there, uh, uh, Kirk. Uh, uh, yeah. I won't say his last name. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he sat in on my class last November in uh, Reno for CNOA. And, uh, yeah, he, he said, he, you know, we've known each other a while. And he said, yeah, we're seeing a lot more Mexican cartel activity in uh, in uh, New Zealand, in, uh, in Australia. So, uh, it's all over the uh, the world. One thing, one other thing I want to say is a lot of the activity in, in New Zealand involves the uh, biker connection with the biker gangs, and that's important for your listeners here in the United States to know is that the Mexican cartels are are not dealing only with Mexicans or other Mexicans. They're dealing with anybody that has money. And when we're talking about methamphetamine, uh, I, I would say the group that's uh, highly involved in in doing uh, methamphetamine dealing. 
uh, negotiation with the Mexican cartel, they're going to be your, your biker gangs, all your biker gangs, Hell Dangers, Mongols, uh, uh, you name them. They're, they're dealing with the Mexican cartel, also your street gang. And not just, I'm not talking about just your Mexican street gangs. I'm talking about Aryan Brotherhood. And go figure, who think of Aryan Brotherhood would work with Mexican? Well, Aryan Brotherhood, it's not about race. It's about power. It's about money. So uh, Mexicans don't discriminate. They'll take anybody's money. Interesting. So what about the religious aspect of cartels? What are some of the things cops should know about the cartels and religion? Because it certainly doesn't seem like they're good Christians when you when you look at them. So, yeah, yeah, no, they're they're not. They uh, you know they rationalize what they're what they're doing, and 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 actually, as far as criminal activity, you know, we can go far back and uh, talking about the uh, the old uh, and even current uh, Italian uh, mob. You know, very good Catholic Christians uh, go to confession, go to church, church every Sunday, and then during the week they're killing people and doing the drug dealing. The cartel members, uh, the ones, a lot of them, they'll, you know, they'll pray to Jesus for protection from law enforcement. You know, that's the other thing we need to pay attention to, to the legitimate forms of, of religion. They pray to a lot of different Catholic uh, saints. And again, I discussed several of those different Catholic saints that they pray to, the most popular ones they uh, they pray to. And of course, then you got the other ones that are more like folk hero saints, such as Jesus Monteverde, who you mentioned. And... Another one that's uh, on, and he actually originally here in the United States, when they encounter him, they think they're encountering Jesus Malabrera because they look alike. Um, but uh, they're completely different, and I, I talk about how they're different. So uh, I welcome any officer that uh, I get calls from officers on a traffic stop or inside a house, and I'm, I welcome those calls or emails. Anything I can do to help cops around the country, I'm in. That's awesome. So it What's the what's the one thing you would want to leave uh, these guys off with? What's the one message you want to leave for them before we wrap this up? Well, I, I guess, you know, so many things come to mind, but but I'm hoping I leave them with this. I, I hope I piqued their interest in in why they should pay attention to the Mexican cartel, because the bottom line of the Mexican cartel, they're responsible for the majority, overwhelming majority of drug trafficking going on in the United States. And as I mentioned, whether it's uh, uh, through them directly or through the biker gangs or the street gang, they're the ones that are behind it. So I'm, I'm hoping I piqued their interest to pay attention, learn more about the Mexican cartels, uh, and, and also to keep their guard up and stay safe and keep an eye out for these red flags and, and go home to their family um, every night. And that's the bottom line. So, uh, you know, and again, I'm, I'm here to, to do whatever I can. I don't consider my, I don't know everything, obviously. I, I know a little bit. I'm happy to share that with, with any cops out there to enhance their safety. It's awesome. So if they want to bring your training to their agency, how would they get a hold of you? Well, best way is through my, through my email address. And that is Robert at Robert Almonte, that's Robert and then my last name is Almonte, that's A-L-M-O-N-T-E, that's all together, Robert at robertalmonte.com, and they can also request me through my website, which is robertalmonte.com, again, email is robert at robertalmonte.com, and my website is Robert 
uh, almonte.com as well. And what we'll do is we'll put that uh, email website address and all your social media links uh, up in the show notes. That way they can follow you. Uh, Robert, I really appreciate you coming in and talking to us today. Oh, well, thank you so much for, uh, for having me, Keith. It really is an honor and a pleasure. And, uh, and thank you for having me. I look forward to seeing you on the road sometime, Keith. You stay safe and healthy, brother. All right, brother. You take care. You too, man. Thanks. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Drug Training Podcast with Keith Graves. We'd love to hear your comments and respond to your questions in future episodes. Visit our accompanying website at www.onlinedrugtraining.com for more information, advice, training, and to get in touch. And join us again on the next edition of the Drug Training Podcast. 